really social selling for me is how do you become friends? How do you build a relationship with your potential prospect? And I do think power questions helps that process. I think, of course, asking questions of anyone creates a relationship and creates that more of a social connection. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales, marketing, and business. Join Bryn Tillman and me, Bob Woods, as we each bring you the best tips and strategies our guests are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Enjoy the show. Lisa Scotto, the founder of LMS Group Coaching, a sales strategy and business development consulting firm, joins us today in the Social Sales Link virtual studios for this episode of Making Sales Social. Lisa's company focuses on creating end-to-end B2B sales strategy, making her a perfect fit for our show. Specifics of what Lisa does include pipeline development, presentation blueprints, and refining what your company already has going for it to help it build revenue. All great goals to have. We're also going to be talking a lot about power questions, which, I mean, you know, I'm the one who usually asks questions here, but I always enjoy hearing about power questions, especially when it comes to sales. And we're going to be getting a lot into that. We're also going to touch a little bit on her approach of sales being a discipline and that good salespeople just don't sell, they add value. That's something we emphasize here on making sales social and at Social Sales Link. So I'm definitely looking forward to that and hope you are too. So with that, Lisa, welcome to Making Sales Social. Thank you. Thank you so much, Bob. Happy to be here. Good. Always, always, always happy to hear that. So our first traditional question is, um, what does making sales social mean to you? I love that question for so many reasons, because I think it really is about creating relationships with your potential clients and prospects. And often I think that is missed with salespeople. They just want to get right into the sale, right? Like, let me tell them everything I know about my product or service. And I think really social selling for me is how do you become friends? How do you build a relationship with your potential prospects? And I do think power questions helps that process. I think, of course, asking questions of anyone creates a relationship and creates that more of a social connection. So uh, I'm a firm believer in relationship-based selling and figuring out how to bring that to whatever it is that you are selling in the marketplace. Yeah, that's just, that's, that's, that's absolutely perfect. Yeah, sales... I mean, once upon a time, sales was transactional a long, long, long time ago. And thank God it's not anymore because it's it's really, I mean, quite frankly, it's it's actually fun, believe it or not, to get to know other people out there who are, who, are, who may be doing different things and, you know, helping them out through the products and services that we sell. Right. And I think really, if you're adding value to the conversation or to the relationship, then it becomes not salesy. It becomes, how am I adding value? Right. And I think that should be the question any salesperson should be asking before they're even reaching out to any prospects is how can I add value to this specific conversation, to this specific prospect, to this specific client? And I think the best salespeople sometimes walk away from sales, right? Which is so Mm -hmm. counterintuitive. But if you're truly sort of grounded in how am I adding value, 
which is something yeah. I've sort of been my North Star from a sales perspective, then um, I feel like that really sheds light on, well, in some situations, you may not be adding value and, and you may have to walk away from that. So yeah, yeah, because there are situations where I, it, it, it's kind of like, it's, it, it's a difference between being of service, but trying to like jam things in at the same time. And then being of true service, which is what you mentioned, which is like sometimes, you know, hey, this ain't this ain't it for us, you know, but, you know, someone who can, you know, who might be able to to use my product or, or, or service or whatever. I think that's great. Yeah, I think, too, as I've learned being a consultant now, which you don't necessarily always have this opportunity if you're selling a product. But I like to give a lot away for free, right? How can I add value even in that first initial conversation? What are the, the top three things that my potential prospects might leave the conversation with that, you know, maybe you might want to gate at some point, but as part of building that relationship, you sort of are giving in the um, hopes that that will come back to you at some point. And I think that that's also a great skill to cultivate as a salesperson is how are you within each interaction giving away something, whether it's knowledge, a contact, a relationship, uh, an article that you thought of for the client, right? How are you continuing to foster that versus just reaching out and, and asking for something, right? So I, I think it does have to be sort of this, this um, giving state uh, mm -hmm. in order for you not to come off as too salesy or, or too pushy. And, and right, right. Yeah, it definitely gets gets to one of my favorite quotes, which is, uh, you know, stop talking about how you help people and just help people. I love that. That's great. Yeah. 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 So um, I really like a quote that's predominantly featured at your website. It's a quote by Blair Singer. And the quote is, the person who asks the questions is always the one who is in control of the situation. It's powerful and it's true, which gets us into the concept of power questions. So what the heck are power questions? Great question, Bob. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> um, power questions are really the thought of how you're asking questions of your prospects. So as part of the sales process, any good salesperson knows that they should be asking their, their client lots of questions. When I think of power questions, it's actually tweaking how we're asking them so that we're extracting as a lot of information from the prospect or the client. And I think often in this sort of, you got the meeting, you, 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 you set up a meeting with a client, you're on the phone and you really just wanna impart all of your knowledge, taking mm -hmm. a step back and, and really thinking about, actually, I'm, I'm going to speak less and ask more. In fact, I would tell my teams when I was in corporate, you know, the majority of the call should be them speaking, not you speaking. And if it's in reverse and you're speaking for the majority of the call, that is not a good sales call. And you really should think about how to reverse that. So a power question for me is always something that I prep before a prospect call. So I'm doing a ton of research as any good salesperson should be doing ahead of a phone call. And you should be doing research, not just on the company or the person, but also the industry at large as well as just macroeconomic trends, right? Like anything that might be important to that conversation. And I typically craft about three or four questions ahead of that call even. Now, in the middle of the call, you might sort of be inspired or that the, the client or prospect might say something where you need to tweak or you need to sort of riff 
on maybe a question that you've come up with, but really thinking about not just the questions, but how you're asking them in that conversation is important. And as I coach and, and consult with various different companies, often they, they intuitively know, right, that they should be asking questions, but they're not sort of honing in on uh, things like, tell me more about that, or how did you do that? Or how did that marketing campaign work for you? How did it perform, right? They're asking, oh, I saw that marketing came, campaign. Did it go well? Which is a yes or no question, right? That's a very black and white answer. Instead of, mm -hmm. tell me how it performed. Well, that's going to open up a lot more of a conversation, especially if you're, let's say, an advertising agency, right? And you're trying to get that marketer's business. Right. Um, so really, power questions is, how you ask questions and ensuring that you're prepared with those questions ahead of any sort of prospect or client phone call. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, that's, that's something that's, and that's really powerful too. Um, so how can they be effective, not only in just B2B sales, but because we, we love talking about social selling here, um, you know, when it, when it comes to social selling, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, um, when it comes to how we do social selling, which is like education prior to them even contacting you through mainly LinkedIn, you know, hopefully they have some idea of, of, of what it is we do. And hopefully we've been able to speak to them through the information that we've already provided. I guess loop power questions in at, at, at that point so that a salesperson who does social selling can kind of take things to, to the next level while being of value and while helping. Well, I think it's important, even like from a social standpoint for outreach, there could be questions peppered in there that really get the attention of a potential prospect, right? So instead of just crafting an email that's sort of a verbatim of what you're trying to do or what you're trying to think, you can pepper in questions in a power question format that maybe might intrigue someone or maybe might even get them willing to take that first step with you, right? Willing to take that mm -hmm. um, that first phone call or meeting with you. So I think you could even back it up a bit and 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 have it be a part of that sort of discipline of reaching out to people. I often pepper my my outreach with those types of questions uh, to try and elicit a response, right? I think we all have to get very creative, especially when you're reaching out through LinkedIn or if you're doing it completely cold. And I think doing your research and asking those questions really will set you apart from the emails that are just what I like to call, you know, just somebody yeah. throwing oh, up on their client, right? In right, email, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you had mentioned something uh, that that I'd like to get into a little bit more um, power question um, uh, framing or formatting or, or, or whatever. I guess this is probably a good time to, to talk a little bit about specific power questions and maybe an example or two of what exactly a power question is and why it's phrased like that to get the type of responses that you want to and showing value and things like that at the same time. Yeah, so early in my career, I've I've been selling for more than the more years than I'd like to say, over 25 years. And early in my career, I learned about this concept of power questions and selling and uh, really tried to figure out how to put it into practice. And I had a client back in the day where I actually went and made physical sales calls. So this is going way back. And the client was unhappy with, so they were already a client. They were unhappy with a policy change that the co company I worked for made. And every time I made a sales call, 
would bring up this policy change and would like, you know, really beat me down around the policy change that I had no control over, right? So I remember thinking to myself, I've got to come up with a power question that I can ask this person so that they kind of get off my back with this new policy <laughs> change. So next time I went in, I was prepared. I went in and I said, how many clients, because they were selling on behalf of my organization, how many clients have you lost because of the new policy change? Silence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Any clients because of the new policy change. In fact, I went on to be the highest grossing salesperson that year for that specific product for the Walt Disney Company. And it really wasn't until I framed the question in that way that he also realized, actually, I'm making this a, a problem. It's not a problem, right? Like, this is not a problem. Mm -hmm. So that's like a good ex an example of it in an account executive sort of way, right? An account right. manager. I was maintaining a relationship with this client. I think in a prospecting meeting, what it, what's important is you're trying to get the prospect to storytell to you because then what they're at, what you've asked them then helps you formulate your story back, right? It helps you sort of craft why your product or service is, um, is a good fit for them. So often what I will ask clients is tell me more about your process. So tell me is a good you know, is a good statement to use. It's actually not a question, which is funny. Tell me more, right? Yeah. Getting them to talk about anything. You can ask that of anything, no matter what your product or service is. Using how and why questions, right? How did that perform, as I mentioned earlier? Or how how do you view the organization now versus a year from now, right? Or why did something work versus why did something not work? Why did you get mm -hmm. on the phone? right? That's going right. to tell you a ton of information, right? So I think those three sort of um, tell me more why and how are really good, easy ones to start with, right? And then you can, from there, refine. I think the other thing that's interesting with power questions is inevitably you have to practice, right? This is just like working out, right? You, you have to build up a tolerance to be comfortable with the silence, you have to build up a tolerance mm. to be open to this conversation, right? To be a, a, to a, a, a bilateral conversation with a client. And sometimes people are nervous about that. So you have to practice it, right? And I think that's mm. also very important. And one of my clients said, well, I don't feel comfortable asking the questions. And I said, well, that's part of this. You have to start to feel comfortable flexing that muscle, right? And in order to do that, you have to ask the questions, right? So... I think it it all sort of feeds into each other in the end. So that actually brings up an interesting question. Um, when someone who is in the power question frame of mind, for lack of a better way to put it, um, starts off, let's just say an initial sales call, are they are they warning people? Are they prepping the people who they're talking to that they're going to be asking a lot of questions and maybe helping helping the the people that that they're talking to maybe get into into the right frame of mind of things, or are they just charging forward and just and just going you know full bear with it no i always recommend to put an agenda together where you are letting you are letting everyone on the call and when i say put an agenda together in your head have your agenda or have it as part of the the meeting uh invitation where you will let them know like first you know section one or or first up would love to ask some questions about your business and and your experience thus far you know, second second section is I'll share our products or service and talk about how it might help benefit you, right? And third is 
you know, the follow-up and next steps, right? So I do always recommend that you're putting that agenda together and you're sort of alerting them. And also you, you need to be a bit, um, you need to be open and receptive to that conversation. So I always sort of coach folks and saying like, you may get on the call and it may be, you know, they don't want to have a conversation, right? Like you're, it's a, I call it the wet noodle syndrome, right? Like it's like pulling teeth. They're giving you, you're asking these great questions. They're giving you yes or no answers, right? You know, that is an opportunity to say, maybe this isn't a great time for this conversation. It sounds like maybe we're not a right fit, right? Going back to the adding value, right? you know, you do have some control as a salesperson. You are not just, you know, um, don't have to be a sheep, right? As part of that, like you can assert some some control over that that uh, relationship, and I, I I do suggest you do that. And uh, I think also it, it it you you need to be open that if the conversation goes in a different path, like even though you set up three power questions, like if they don't relate anymore, like don't ask those questions, right? You have to kind right. of get where where your client's going. But I think it. it the, the act of doing it and the act of, of preparing for it helps you because just like if you're preparing for a test or a quiz or something like that, the more you do it and the more you're practicing it, the better you're going to be, right? So it's just a matter of, again, going back to the discipline part of sales, that should be part of your discipline. As you're doing the research, it should spur questions and it should spur insights that you want to dive deeper into that mm -hmm. then will help you say, hey, you know, I saw on your website this, tell me more about that. And then when it's your turn to sort of maybe share more about your service or, or product, you can say, and I, you know, based on our conversation, it sounds like this would help you accomplish X, which we, which we just spoke about, right? Which you just shared with me is your goal for the company a year from now, right? So it helps you sort of make those dots and connects those dots for the client so that they don't have to do it. Because the other thing that I learned working for the Walt Disney Company, as you can imagine, which is where I spent the majority of my career, is everything is with the focus of the client or the guest, right? Which is why right. power questions is so important because mm -hmm. if somebody asked you after vacation, how was your vacation? Essentially, it's a snoozer question. I like to right? You're like, it was good, right? And then like off you go, right? Yeah. If somebody asked you, what was the best thing you ate on your vacation, Bob? Yeah. It's a different vibe, right? Yeah. Now I'm really curious about what you ate on your vacation or what the best experience was on your vacation or what your family liked best on the vacation, right? It creates this sort of, wait a minute, well, Lisa really wants to know about that. That's so interesting because I love to talk, you know, me, Bob, I love to talk about what I ate on vacation, right? So it think about how you would feel as if you think you're getting on a sales call and you think you're just going to be listening to a regurgitated sales pitch right. versus, wow, somebody just got on a sales call that I've never met and asked me some really great questions and got me thinking even more than I was before right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the magic of the power question. Yeah. Yeah. So especially getting back to the quote that I just had, this really is about changing the dynamics of relationships between the salesperson and, and the prospect or the, the salesperson and the client. If it's, if it's more of an AE type of situation, I mean, it's, um, sounds to me, it's like way to, you know, to, 
to take control, but I mean, not truly take control because, because you're still wanting to potentially sell something and, and you can't control who, who ultimately signs the contract and signs the checks and things like that. But um, let's get into the value adding part a, a little bit more, because I think that once you've got control, it's probably easier to add value. Is that a statement that, that, that you'd agree with? Definitely. I mean, I think once you've sort of ascertained and have all that information, all that great information about your prospect or client, you then can add value in ways that maybe you didn't even know you could, right? So let's say that person is like, actually, we're, we're hiring someone on our team for a marketing position. I'm making it up, right? I'm sure you as a salesperson know a ton of marketers, right? So could you add value there, right? I think the the act of asking the questions then gives you more fodder to be able to add value at different points in that relationship. And you will never know that unless you ask the questions, right? You would never know that and you would never connect those dots until you've had that, that really robust conversation with the client. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So we've been mainly talking about power questions in terms of prospecting. You've already addressed a little bit about someone who is in an uh, account exec or someone who is already has a book of business, um, you know, uh, can can expand, but how can someone who is who's not trying to um, not solve a problem, but to try to quash the the um, the uh, the the thought of a problem, like you're doing in, in the example that that you gave before, and just wants to expand a book of business within their current um, within their current book already? How how can power questions help with that? So I think power questions can help. It really can help anyone, salesperson or not. But for mm -hmm. account managers, AEs, things like that, really formulating power questions to really understand where your current client is sort of in your process or where your current client might be able to expand the business, right? Really mm -hmm. understanding and figuring out, okay, how, what can I ask my client to better understand where we stand as a firm, where we, you know, where our services stand or ask a client a question around um, maybe additional business that we can get from them. So I think that's where sort of uh, an AE can shine is you're not just servicing the client for today. You're figuring out how your firm or your services or your products can help the client in the future. In order to do that, you need to have a dialogue and you need to ask some really pointed questions specifically power questions to better ascertain that so that you can then provide that value moving forward. Um, you know, oftentimes you'll be an AE or an account manager, and then all of a sudden the business goes away. And, and you know, there was nothing specific like that went wrong, but you didn't sort of, um, or you may not have like headed off a problem that you didn't know was there because you weren't asking the right questions, right? So I think it is important, especially if you're, uh, if your role it requires you to grow or expand, land and expand within a company, or if your goal is to retain that quarterly quarterly meetings with your client or once a month, right? Whatever your cadence is, includes some of those really interesting power questions and ensuring from an industry standpoint that you're capturing some of that industry intel, right? Look what's going on in the world right now with AI, right? Like, I mean, things right. happen very quickly. So um, peppering your sort of regular cadence meetings with those power questions, I think could be uh, really game changing for an AE or an account manager. Okay, so here's a question that I had not even thought to ask <laughs> until you brought it up. So it's your fault 
blaming it on you. We do talk a lot about AI. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm not sure if you're using AI at all in terms of power question. Are you using AI? And if so, how are you using it? It's a great question. I, what's interesting about AI is the prompts that you use need to be power questions. So if I'm if I'm prompting ChatGPT or Bard, I'm often prompting it with a power question to try and sort of unearth and peel back the onion to a problem or a question that I'm asking. So I think that's how I use power questions as it relates to AI. I'm not. I haven't really asked ChatGPT to create any power questions for me, okay. um, but I am using it maybe to preemptively think about what a client might answer, right, or an industry problem might sort of be. So I do think it's important, and I do think AI is uh, an extremely important tool as salespeople go forward because. Again, I firmly believe that in order to build relationships, you have to be relatable and you have to do your research. And I think ChatGPT and the likes really provide uh, an amazing layer of research that uh, you know, you know, Google or just the internet has not has not proven to be. I think the other way I've used AI, which uh, is unrelated to power questions, is. I will craft emails or I will craft communications with clients and I will put it into chat GPT just to say like wordsmith this or, you know, make this sound better or use this tone for, for it. And I do think, you know, as salespeople, and I think typical salespeople, like, you need to use all the resources available to you, right? So like, right, ah, right? Um, I don't think it's going to take a salesperson's job specifically. Uh, yeah. I think, again, if you're relying on relationships, there's no way that that, at least right now, right? Yeah. <laughs> and let's not think about the future when it comes to that type of thing. But um, but um, you, um, I'm dying to know because I do can 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 definitely see about about using power questions and prompts and 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 how much more powerful the output could be. And I think I'm actually kind of doing that without really knowing that I was doing that. But can you give an example of, of, of a power, of a power question prompt? How does that sound? You could even trademark that phrase if you want. Power question prompt. That's a good one. I would say it would include, again, tell me more about X or give me a comparison between X and Y. So, you know, giving the tool that sort of reference point of you're trying to compare two things or you're trying to understand something more deeply. Uh, so I think the comparison, I have used that one and that that is very interesting. And I think that could be related to compare my product to some other product, or it could even be somehow related in the industry, like compare the culture of X company versus Y company or something like that. So those would be my my two the tell me more and the comparison prompts have worked very well for me. Okay. All right, good. So what I think we're gonna kind of what prompts are you using, Bob? Can I oh, ask? God. Um <laughs> mine just get mine get very um specific. I I've 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 actually got a um a, a prompt model that's called CRISP which is you know content uh, con I, I and I've got to read off of it just because I do it so intuitively now people ask me what CRISP stands for. And I'm like, God, I got to think about it. Content, role, inspiration, scope, and prohibitions. I try to work all of those as much as possible 
and and the prompts to really get something out of it like the first time uh, the first time either that or i may use like a couple of those letters at first fully planning on you know um planning on asking additional ones a little later on down the road and i think that probably the most powerful one out of that entire crisp um kind of format is prohibitions to tell it what not to do mm, i love that that's great yeah yeah, but I love ChatGPT. I could, if someone said, "Here's a hundred thousand dollars playing ChatGPT," I would be the most happiest person in the universe. I think. Well, don't they need a new CEO? Maybe you can apply. Yeah. Okay. That sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> so, um, so, so, so now let's get into some more general questions about B two B sales. So, first of all, um talking about uh, biz dev playbooks. Um, what are the key elements and successful ones for sales and biz dev and how should teams go about creating one? So I think the, the very, the most important key to successful play, playbooks is that they have to be easy to read, easy to follow and easy to sort of execute. I think I've come across a lot of playbooks where it is just it's almost too detailed, right? And you, you lose yeah. people very quickly. Mm -hmm. And my sort of rule of thumb on that is if the average person is not going to be able to follow along, then, you know, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be using it. You should really make it easy to follow along and use and um, ensure that it keeps people's attention. I think Oftentimes people think more is better. And I firmly believe that that is not true necessarily, right? Yep. Um, because if nobody reads it through the end or nobody gets through it or nobody follows it, then guess what? It's not, it's not worth it to be. Right. Yeah. So that's typically my rule of thumb with yeah. sales playbooks. Yeah, it's really interesting because it it it, it kind of comes down to one of my kind of gold, golden rules, which is um, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should do something. And, and and I think that that definitely applies in terms of what you're talking about. You know, like sometimes they can go into too much depth and have too much breath and, um, you know, just not focus in on exactly what it is you're trying to do, which is sales and biz depth. And I think too, what happens then is everyone's focused on like the process and it's like, well, yeah. we're not doing the things we need to do, right? To get more meetings, right? Which is really ultimately what we should be doing. So, right. you know, I think it's important and, and oftentimes companies want to be so process driven nowadays because of technology, because they have reports and because of, you know, all that stuff. Yes, definitely use it to make your lives easier and better. But the second it's not making your lives easier, then we should, we should reevaluate because the real goal is you should be trying to have as many conversations as possible. And that ultimately should be every salesperson's sort of goal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So next, let's get into sales presentations a little bit. I've seen, unfortunately, more of my fair share that just suck. I mean, they're bad. Um, you develop presentation blueprints. So how can salespeople and sales orgs transform their presentations from ones that suck to ones that shine? Great question. I think it goes back to research. I talk a lot about research, researching mm -hmm. before you ask your questions, researching before you get on the phone. You should be researching even before you give a sales presentation. And here's why. You want to be able to weave throughout your presentation, either information to the client that you've gleaned as your research, information the client has shared with you as part of your questions, right? As part of mm -hmm. your questions. Uh, 
maybe something happened today that's important for the meeting, right? You can't just use yesterday's presentation if something landed today in the news that's important to the conversation. So I think doing that research and really customizing the deck or the presentation to the client is important. From a, from a content standpoint, I also think being a Disney alum, storytelling is really important, right? Like nobody mm -hmm. wants to sit there and listen to you drone on about whatever it is you're selling. You yeah. need to make it emotive and you need to make it exciting and tell a story, right? And and mm -hmm. that story could be personal. It could be about the industry, it could be, but you need to weave that into it. And I think junior salespeople, again, they get nervous. So I always recommend practice, right? Like you have to practice. Don't just roll up to the meeting, doing no research, never practicing your deck, never checking it, right? And think it's going to go amazing because guess what? It's not going to go amazing. It's going to go poorly, right. right? So what does that mean? It means you need to get a buddy. I mean, I used to sort of pair my salespeople together, practice the, the story, practice what you're going to say, practice the research. And that goes back to your question earlier about the discipline, right? Sales is mm -hmm. a discipline in the sense that you need to do all those things all of the time. And you can't just think, I'm going to wing this and see how it goes, right? Because that could be, you know, you could be losing a great opportunity in that moment. So the discipline of sales, I think, is often what is the hardest, right? It's not hard to get on the phone and be jovial and, and have a conversation with someone. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting to that point and making sure when you get on that call, you're, you're really prepared, right? And you're, right. you're uh, ready to add value. So, mm -hmm. and you're also ready to listen, which a lot of times people just have their agenda, you know, their agendas and they're not, I mean, because I've been on calls where quite frankly, I I've probably missed some nuggets because I was probably thinking a, a little far ahead and just, and, and not truly being present and, and being present is, is really key. I think. Totally. But I think that's a function of people are nervous and they don't like silence. Yeah. Conditioned as a society to not, if it's silent, that's for, I don't know why, but we think that that's bad when actually that's when, when things can sort of blossom, right? Like if yep. you just stop talking, which is also hard for salespeople, we tend to be extroverts and generalizing. Right. But like, you, you know, if you have that moment of silence where the client then adds something or there's more to that story, then that's where sort of the beauty of that relationship starts, starts to blossom. Yeah. And I think if you're, if you haven't done it before or you haven't sort of practiced that, that can be, you know, you feel like it's an eternity, right? You feel like that, that pause is a pregnant pause and it's an eternity. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, um, and Whenever I hear about uncomfortable pauses and uncomfortable silences, I always go back to that scene in Pulp Fiction. If you know, you know. And uh, but there is truth in that scene too. I mean, it's like it's it's actually really true. What you know, you know uh, about uncomfortable silences, uh, silences, and then and, and then adding what what you added, I think is great. Yeah, totally. So. Um, I always like looping my marketing peeps into these conversations. So uh, what advice would you give marketing teams who support salespeople to ensure uh, cohesive and effective approaches to B2B sales? And also, quite frankly, I think to support them with, with power questions, because I could see where marketing can really help people with developing power questions, too. Uh, well, I love my marketing, my marketing friends. And 
I think marketers should have their set of power questions that they should be asking the sales team. The so marketers should be coming to the table with their sales team, really trying to dig and again, peel back that onion to understand what the objections are, right? What is, what is the, the um, either the block that a salesperson is having or uh, what information is a salesperson getting from a prospect or a client that could help inform the marketer? So I think, you know, each sort of department of a company can have their own set of power questions. It's really not just for salespeople. And that will, again, unlock, I think, some of the things that marketers would need to help them do their jobs better and to really help support the sales team. An and realizing that there's all different types of types of industries and everything else out there, what's what's a good example of a power question that 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 marketers can ask salespeople? Well, you could ask your sales team, um, you know, what are the top three objections that we're getting with regards when we're on when we're on the phone with a client, right? Those objections are exactly what a marketer should be using, right, to kind of flip them on their head to to get more leads or to get more. Attraction, yeah, and, and develop content too from from like a social selling standpoint. I mean, that's actually one of the things that that we recommend is you know your top objections, turn that around and make it into content into an ebook and put it on a post and you know just explode with that. Yeah, absolutely. But a lot of times marketers don't think of 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 that as a relationship that they should be sort of probing and asking questions. They think that, oh, well, my job is to figure that out, right? Well, no, your job is to collaborate with the sales team. And if they have the answer, like, why not, you know, use that, like you said, exploit, exploit your objections to, to your favor, right? Right. Yep. One who could not agree with that more, 100%. So um, uh, before we wrap up, uh, we, we, we were talking a little bit before the show about, um, but a subject that's not popular, but 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 we definitely need to address it. So the post-COVID world. So things have changed. I mean, you know, we're uh, we're we're not meeting as as much as we are before. You and me are on Zoom right now. A lot of questions are yeah, I mean, a lot of meetings rather are are happening on Zoom. What are your top sales tips post-COVID? So my first one it sounds similar to one that maybe was pre-COVID, but it's ABC. And it's not always be closing, it's always be curious. I think with COVID, uh, you know, obviously you're not building relationships in person. However, going back to research, I think research stems with curiosity. So I am sort of an avid lover of all things, not just in my industry, not just in my client's industry. I am like an, an avid, I'm curious about a lot of things and that helps you be sort of a student of the world, right? And, and when you're on a call with someone that allows you to have the vocabulary that you need to be able to form a relationship quickly. So always be curious. I think that is even more important now post COVID because you have a very small amount of time to create a, a bond with someone, right? And, and where you may have been at a conference before and you have three nights and dinners and drinks and fun stuff, you have you know, three minutes at the beginning of the Zoom to really sort of form that bond. So being curious allows you to sort of be comfortable with all different types of situations, right? And all different types of conversations. So that's number one. The second one is uh, related is you can't research enough. I used to tell my teams, 
be like a defense lawyer. You're going to research things, right? That that so you almost know the answers to the questions before right. you ask them. I yep. it always was my pet peeve if I was ever on a sales call and someone would ask me a question that you could easily find on my website, right? Or, or your you, LinkedIn profile. Yep. Or your LinkedIn profile, right? Like, okay, well, yep. why are we here? Right. If 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 I'm just gonna answer a question that you can find on my LinkedIn profile, I could use this 30 minutes for you know a much more uh, uh, successful or solution-based event. So I think you know that is also very important. And you know we're very focused on our phones right now and the quick fix and like doing things quickly. Where I think slowing down and really taking your time around crafting those questions, making sure they are very pertinent for your for your uh, potential client or prospect. And um, really sort of diving into that is important. And then lastly, I think post-COVID, relationship-based selling, I think, has become even more important. In fact, pre-COVID, I think it was um, almost going out of favor, if you will. Like, you did, you know, it was, it was very much um, like spray and pray. And like, we're just going to send a lot of emails and hope for the best. And I think- Oh, yeah. Hoping tech takes over a little bit more. I'm sorry? Hoping tech takes over a little bit more in the process. Yeah, and, and I think getting, there was yes. of getting away from relationships. Correct. And I think post-COVID, what I've learned is that you have to be even more adept at that relationship-based selling and adding value. And you can't just rely on somebody saw your brand and now they're reaching out to you, or somebody, you know, got an email and now they're, you know, clamoring to have a 30-minute phone call with you, right? Like that rarely happens. So oh, yeah. How do you, again, provide value and really form a relationship with someone so that they want to do business? Maybe not now, maybe not six months from now, but you're playing the long You're playing the long Right. Oh my God, yes. I mean, yes, so many people are concerned about short-term, which I mean, you know, that's what sales is. You know, what, what have you done for me lately? But at the same time, you have to keep focused on, on the long-term too. Right. So with that... Um, I always like to wrap these up with, uh, you know, what's one thing someone can do right now to improve whatever their their situation is. So I think in this case, we're going to ask, what is one thing someone can do right now to effectively implement power questions within their sales process? The one thing immediately. I think the one thing is to prepare. So go into your next meeting and have three power questions prepared for your your client meeting and really think about uh, how to ask those questions in a way where it allows the client to uh, share more, tell you more and story tell themselves. What way to wrap up. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, Lisa, how would they do that? Great. So LinkedIn is the best place. Uh, Lisa Scotto Pomeranning and I uh, own LMS Growth Consulting. And so happy to be here, Bob. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And 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 in case uh, in case you want to look up the website directly, it's LMS, just like it sounds. Growth Consulting, all one word, no dashes or any kind of weird things like that. dot com. So LMSGrowthConsulting.com. So Lisa Scotto, founder of Sales Strategy and Business Development Consulting Firm. We just heard it. LMS Growth Consulting. Thank you for joining us today. Really had a great time talking about a whole bunch of different things, but I think really are really going to help the audience today. 
Awesome. Thank you, Bob. This was great. Good, good. And thank you for streaming this episode of Making Sales Social. So remember, when you're out and about this week, be sure to make your sales social. Don't miss an episode. Visit socialsaleslink.com slash podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. Register for free resources at linkedinlibrary.com. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.